Jean Leroux is a research associate at the Digital Forensic Research Lab and is a crime expert and uh, cybercrime expert and joins us now. Uh, Jean, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm hoping you heard my conversation with Fortunato Mazzoni earlier. Um, this thing, it would seem to me, is on the rise. Should we all be worried? Um, morning, Bingo, and thanks for having me on the show. Um, I think the, the general public don't need to be too concerned. Um, generally, these type of, the type of software needed to conduct this type of crime is you know, a bit more on the expensive side. It's not that easy to come by. And it's generally kind of reserved for individuals who've been targeted and earmarked for these of um, of crimes. So for the general public, I think you know more um, you know more general security concerns and more general security measures should be enough. It's only when you get you know to these specific examples that you might need to take a bit more precaution. But the po- the point is, we know of course from the abductions and even the kidnappings, uh, business people have been targeted before, and increasingly, I'm told. Uh, that uh, they are trying perhaps people who may not have a lot of money but they're also banking on the fact that you know ordinary folk may not be as connected and won't be able to fight back as easily yeah i mean i think it's the case as the you know you target individuals you think might have returned so you're looking for business people those are people with businesses there's a lot of money coming in going out there's often overdrafts and credit facilities available and all of those things are uh, basically um, avenues to extract that cash from. So you know, if, you, if your business has got an overdraft and the criminal gains access to your bank account, it, they, it's possible for them to make use of that as well. And um, obviously, as you pointed out, you know, very rightly, the same applies to you know the more the regular person on the street as well. We've all got credit cards, we've all got overdraft facilities, and you know, even just the you know the small um, you know credit facility that might get attached to your credit card. And it might not be enough, you know, compared to a businessman, but for you, that's quite a lot of money. So what can we as the public do? Uh, one of the things I was talking about um, was that we've been told, for example, that something as simple as a four-digit password is probably not the way to go. In other words, the longer your password is, the more difficult it is for them to get into your account. Yeah, that's probably one of the the, uh, the things that we always tell people is that if you are setting up a password, make sure that it's something that's secure. If you um, if your phone allows you to use one of those uh, patterns, use that. If your phone can do biometrics, that's even better. Uh, both of those security measures are quite a few steps up from the normal four-digit pin that you you add in. Uh, there's only a finite number of combinations um, you know that can be used for that and. That makes it a lot easier if they're trying to crack that to to do so. The other very important security thing is to make sure that your banking apps specifically um, have makes use of a different password. So don't use the same password or PIN that you're using to unlock your phone. Have something specific and unique to your banking app. Um, and probably the third thing is to make sure that you've got two-factor authentication um, enabled. This is just a a method by which uh, the moment that you try and log in or conduct any transactions, you'll be, you know, you can specify a device that needs to be flagged. The problem, of course, if your phone gets stolen in a case like this, is if they gain access to the phone, they've also got access to the device that's usually set up as the two-factor authentication device. 
So it's a, a kind of a, a double stroke of misfortune that your phone gets stolen. Um, I mean, one of the most prevalent cases that you'll find is that, you know, a phone gets stolen where there's even no security on the device. So no pins, no lock screens, nothing of the like. Um, or where the phone is unlocked, you know, maybe the person is speaking on the phone when it's snatched. Um, in cases like those, um, because the phone is unlocked, all of the apps, uh, you know, the WhatsApps, the uh, Gmails, all of the email clients, all of those are open as well, which means criminals can actually go ahead and reset a lot of the passwords that's associated with those accounts. Gosh. So they might be able to get into your Facebook, for example, and ask friends of yours, you know, um, sorry, I've been, my phone is just stolen. Um, I'm using a different account. Can you maybe give me my PIN or can you send me money to this specific number? Uh, so there's lots of avenues that they can use to, you know, con not just yourself, but friends and family as well if they've got access to an unlocked device. The victim we spoke to after seven described being in a branch of a bank. And even though he says the accounts had been placed on a soft hold, the criminals were still able to access them. Can you explain how that happened? I think that's something that banks would probably have to explain because um, I think it would have to to do with the way that they implement those soft locks. Um, It might only lock, you know, a certain amount of funds from being extracted. It might only lock specific funds from being transferred or perhaps, um, you know, withdrawn from an ATM. Um, I'm not sure. I think the banks probably have to explain why that specific um, instance was allowed to happen. Generally, if a card is lost or a phone is stolen in a case like this and a hold is placed on accounts, it's very difficult to get the money out of there. I've had the unfortunate experience myself where um, I left my bank card at a, um, at a clothing store and they were courteous enough to cancel my accounts uh, when they found the lost card. So it, it is difficult to get the money out of there. So I think you know, the banks would need to explain how they let that slip through. I mean, it's extraordinary because South Africa has some of the most sophisticated technology when it comes to our banking system. We walked away from checks, for example, uh, to avoid fraud and all kinds of crime. And yet here we are dealing with uh, new threats. Yeah, the, the unfortunate thing is the, the weakest point in this entire chain is unfortunately the end user. So if they can find a way of duping or conning or coercing or you know and or any other means of you know um, compromising the end user or the end device that's used by the end user, that's the easiest way in. So if they can, for example, you know if if this thing is planned over a couple of days, they might have come into the restaurant, taken a look at you know when he walks around, maybe he unlocks his phone with his uh, his passkey. They could kind of see what the pin was. Um, anything like that is possible. Um, and if you can compromise that device that's being used, you've got access to the emails, you've got access to their social media accounts, the you know, online banking, all of the apps that they would normally use uh, to kind of do two-factor authentication kind of becomes compromised as well. You can't be too careful. Jean Leroux, appreciate your time. Research Associate at Digital Forensic Research Lab.